Just stop it. The run-of-the-mill, cheesy, humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women who go through hell to achieve their goals. Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. Sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. This is Disruption Interruption. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today to talk to another industry leader that has steered off the lame, tired path of the status quo. Today's guest is disrupting recruitment. He's a mechanical engineer, and he applies the principles of engineering to develop prediction models to influence the present. We're talking to him today because the current model of resume and job discovery is a disconnected, multi-step, out-of-sync process. Our disruptor is transforming this mess into smart recommendation and prediction. Coming to us live from Cold Spring, Kentucky, please welcome our disruptor, co-founder, and development architect at OneCrate, David Kamwana. Thank you, Carla. You're welcome. So. I come from a family of engineers. I adore engineers. I love the way they think. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yes, yes. And just in my business alone, we have some engineers working for us and we have engineers as clients. I love the logical process of thinking. So before we get into this whole disruptive innovation in terms of recruitment, I want you to tell me from your personal strides for innovation, what is your main ingredient for disruptive innovation? Yeah, so, well, engineering is generally about solving problems. And when it comes to innovation, we're looking to find new ways to put things together. We take existing information, existing technology, existing knowledge, and Perhaps we can pull insights from it when we put things together and, and create something new and create or add value to the world with what we learn. So that's you. You like to take data, create something new, add value to it. I like to invent. You like to invent. That's awesome. Okay. So invention, inventing things. I want to get down to this part of recruitment. I mean, this no, not only comes at a very timely time, right? We have... There's a lot of people that are striving to not only find jobs, but you know, there's a lot of employers there that are needing to fill positions fast. And I've had a couple of conversations on this before, but never from the viewpoint of really looking at this disconnected, out of sync process that's going on in the job market. Paint the status quo for me. Paint that picture of this mess that people are trying to navigate. Sure. Yeah, so it, it amazes me that uh, with the current technology we have, we're still using Word documents and Word document processors. So a lot of job descriptions are written, still written in Word processors like uh, you know Microsoft Word or Google Docs. And our resumes, we still spend a lot of time also writing our resumes that way. It's sort of become the expected format, I should say. And while there are some resume websites or resume builders out there, 
they're still oftentimes looked at as, okay, well, first of all, they're not looked at in the highest of regard. So it's still expected generally that a professional resume should be something that's written in a Word document. And then even with those resumes, the resume makers, they still generally, they're helping you make the resume, but then at the end of the process, you you hit the download button, you know, and you download it into a Word document or a PDF once again. We're trying to move away from that kind of a, a process. Now, the disconnect becomes when you're writing your documents that way, you're keeping them typically on a personal Google Drive if it's a resume or Word document. And on the company side, if it's a job description, that's going to be saved up somewhere again in your some cloud drive system, or you might import that into an applicant tracking system and then share it from there. Uh, but either way, the information is out of the market, is out of the flow. Uh, the job descriptions and the resumes never see each other. And it's not until a candidate actually goes online to look for a job. And even then, it's only if the company has put the job up online and from the perspective of the company same thing companies might have the jobs online but they aren't aware that there might be somebody even considering or thinking about looking for a job let alone in their particular whether it's location field business and yet there might be a great candidate that has the right resume that's sitting somewhere on, a, on their google drive and that information is just never going to be seen until the candidate decides he wants to go looking for it and good luck them actually finding that particular job. So that's the disconnect. And one crate looks to try to bridge that gap. That's really very interesting. It's like looking for a needle in a haystack, right? Right. And for many companies, it's spray and pray. We do have some filtering, say in Indeed, when yes. we're looking, we do have some filtering. But you're right, it is a disconnect and out of sync. What is your experience, statistics, data that you have of what that is doing to the recruitment process, both for companies and applicants? What's happening? Hmm. So the the downside, if you're, you're looking about the, the negatives here, the negatives would be that we aren't getting an accurate sense of what's actually available to ourselves from both sides. So definitely websites like Indeed are doing a pretty decent job of providing a, I call them sort of like middlemen. You have your applicant tracking system and on the other side, you have your candidates with their resumes on their computers. And so those have to meet somewhere. And so the applicant tracking systems on the companies push the jobs to the job board, which is what I would call in Indeed. And Indeed, now allows you, of course, to, to create your resume on there. So they are doing digital resumes, which is one create is, is doing. Um, I actually call them SDRs, smart digital resumes. But you can still see the lingering PDF type format. Hey, upload your PDF, up, upload your document. And then they parse that information and convert it into a digital resume. So to answer your, your question, though, we're missing out on a lot, let's put it this way, there's a lot of dead information. So the job descriptions aren't what I call living. And the same applies for a lot of the resumes. Well, I'm trying to create a system that flows more fluidly. So if all this information is always available online, even if the job description, or rather if the job isn't available, but the job description can be, 
you see. So we can then be able to accurately assess the quantity of a certain type of job in the market and have that kind of information feed back to the number of job resumes that may or may not be available and actually make some pretty cool predictive models based off of that available information because it's all live it's all dynamics all online whether the job is available or not whether a candidate is available for a job or not i love this i have said for years that universities need this kind of technology because they are gluttoning certain professions right mm -hmm driving students through certain professions where yes. there is not an availability of those jobs. No. It is too much. And students go through these, come up with massive student debts. And yes. how many of us do not use what we went to school for? Yeah. <laughs> like how many of us is a staggering percentage, right? You've tied right into what we call phase two of, of one crate. So phase one, which is what is available right now, is the, the initial step to creating the framework, which makes us very excited for phase two. But phase one is, is what I've essentially described, creating this these databases that carry this information of job descriptions and resumes in the same place, living and always online. Phase two, which is going to be built on the foundation of phase one, allows for what we call pathways. And pathways is the ability to create these predictive paths for anybody coming in. You could be 15, 16, 17, just figuring out what are you going to do for the rest of your life. And you could put in a few key metrics based off of your personality or interests, how you feel you've done in high school. And we would be able to create a pathway for you to a specific type or set of jobs. So, so you know, so based off of that information and say, okay, this is actually what's out there. This is what the demand looks like in the next four years for these kinds of positions. So we're creating that predictive capability for you to make smarter decisions in the present. You see, that uh, that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you read me, read something about me talking about making predictive capabilities so you can make decisions in the present. That's what I'm talking about there. So you get this, okay, this is your, your skill set or these are your interests. These are a set of jobs that you could work towards. To do those kinds of jobs, you're going to need this kind of degree or this, this set of skills. This And you can we can actually tailor a program for them to pursue. So there's a lot from a business point of view. There's, there's just a lot of value in that. I'm very excited about exploring those opportunities. It's a huge value. I mean, it is like, a well, it is a supply and demand predictive model for career paths. Yes. And it, right. I mean, it is highly stressful for kids getting at, towards the end of high school if they don't know what they want to do. It's still uh -huh. stressful. I mean, I'm being in college and, you know, you ho hoped and prayed you picked the right <laughs> profession, right? right? Sometimes we change, but people wanting to change careers, things are changing. I mean, take a look at what's happened with the pandemic, right? Certain industries, oil and gas, entertainment, you name it, just, you know, losing masses amount of people because of, you know, the opportunities that are leaving. And wow, what if they had something like this where they could change a career path, right? And have some predictive model to see the supply and demand. That's right. And, and here's here's a fun thought. One of the 
challenges that we're having right now in the United States. I'm wondering if it's, it might you know, be starting to be a global issue, but I think it's primarily here in the United States, not student debt. And so asking the question of what's driving that, you know, what, why is this happening? And I don't think it's a very simple answer, but I'm wondering if uh, I have wondered, thinking about the development of OneCrate, is that perhaps our students feeling as though they're held hostage to a certain expectation. And that expectation also might be a facade. So here's here's what I mean, is companies who have big HR departments, depending on the size of the company, and they're creating job descriptions. And the job descriptions, as you pointed out just a few minutes ago, oftentimes, you know, you get out of college and you're only using a fraction of what is actually needed for, you know, a fraction of what you learn from your from school in the job. What if a lot of recruiters, a lot of HR people are creating these job descriptions and putting must have X, Y, or Z, usually must have de- uh, degree, must have a master's or whatever the, the qualification is without really thinking too much to what it actually takes to do a specific job. And that's just become standard. So all of a sudden, you know, you come in, you're an HR person, you're not even going to think twice about saying the job must you must be a degree holder. Well, maybe that's not exactly accurate. And is it possible that there could be a different path? This is part of the Pathways program to that job. So and why I think this is particularly important is then if that were true and imagine approaching a big company and I'm like, the funding is big companies are already doing this. So we already know Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon, they already have internship programs that allow you to join their programs out of high school to get into a position that could be paying you quarter of a million dollars a year. They already have that. So we, we already know that it's possible. So imagine going down that, that path and ask that person, how much did you spend to get the skills that you have that are getting you paid quarter million dollars a year. And then you, you know, compare that with somebody who goes to four-year computer science program, learns a whole bunch of different things and spends, I don't know, $150,000 to get through the program or more, and then has to start from, from, from the bottom and probably still has to be trained by the company that they're going to work for. I'm just wondering if colleges and universities, they don't feel the need to, they're not in check. They're not kept in check. No, they're not. Because the expectation is that, hey, the market is going to demand a degree. So we can write whatever we want on on the cost of education. It, it's, well, you know, that's creating a lot of animosity. Yeah. Uh, it's creating a lot of ill will. It's creating yeah. a lot of animosity. There are campaigns right now, just grassroots campaigns of people that are saying, you know what, college isn't in for everyone. Universities aren't for everyone. Vocation, actually, I can do a vocation and, and make more money right out of school. I mean, that there is that sentiment that's happening, right? Mm-hmm. One thing that you mentioned that I thought was very interesting is, you know, they go into a particular job and they're using maybe one-tenth of what their right. skills are, right? right. Or the must-haves. Mm-hmm. on these job descriptions aren't taking into account really the skill sets that could really benefit that position and yep. what that position really entails. Right. And that reminded me of this soft skills versus hard skills conundrum, right? Yep. Statistically, 
almost 100% of the time people get hired for their yeah. hard skills, right? But a, another statistic is, um, and this is by a well-known HR firm, that 99% of the time people get terminated or leave because of their soft skills. And if you take a look at maybe they're using one-tenth of their hard skills on that job, then that leaves the rest of it up to their soft skills to get by. Right. And that is pretty much a wild card because not everybody's trained in good communication or manners or how to get along with people or critical thinking skills. I mean, right. And so it really puts a lot of, I think it puts too much burden on the applicant, but it costs so much wasted money with companies because the turnover amount is astronomical. The lost business, the lost institutional knowledge. Yeah. So you're right. It is very disconnected out of sync, out of touch. How does, I can understand the gist of how OneCrate solves this, but but give me some more data about, you know, the technology, the innovation, like how it works. Okay. Yeah. So primarily we're building recommendation algorithms and the recommendation algorithms are based on information coming from, of course, the resumes and the job descriptions. So right now, unfortunately, we still do allow people to upload their Word documents or PDFs, right? But what you say unfortunately? <laughs> unfortunately, I, I look forward to a time where we don't need to use word processing. Right. So you'd be able to, I mean, and we already have that, by the way. We just provide the ability to still upload because, I mean, most people still have word, you know, PDFs and stuff. But the idea is to move away from that. And if we can get one crate to a place where, let's just say, you know, we can increase the number of jobs, which is it's a chicken and egg problem one crate has. You know, you, you have to get the jobs to get the candidates. You have to get the candidates to get the jobs. So it's very, very challenging. And right now we're primarily focusing, I would say, 80% on the candidate side, getting candidates to upload their resumes or create their resumes, preferably on one crate. The beauty is that you are entering the data directly into a database, which allows us to do a lot of information with, or sorry, a lot of data processing with that data because it's coming in as text, as opposed to having to upload a PDF and try to understand the content of that PDF. So that's what we do on the candidate side. That is already available to candidate for candidates to use. They've been using this for since testing began last year, so over a year. Although officially one crate launched in in January. Now on the company side, there's a bunch of cool things available for for companies to use. But the key thing is the job descriptions. Obviously, we want to encourage companies to build their job descriptions in one crate. So same thing here: discouraging uploading PDFs. In fact, on the company side, we don't allow them to upload PDFs at all. If you want to join one crate, you would either make an appointment with us or you could do it yourself. But you, we would take the time to create every job description you have in your company digitally on one crate. So every field is entered in so that we understand what each word essentially means. Mm-hmm. And we can then use that to algorithms and our recommendation algorithms to do a lot better in terms of uh, prediction, recommendation over time. That's awesome. Are you guys in a beta phase still or you're now open to the public? No, it's open to the public since January. Great. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. 
you should sell your technology to Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Arrange that conversation and we'll okay. see. <laughs> no problem. I'm right on it, boss. <laughs> How do you predict this whole recruitment model changing with this technology? Oh, I have to be careful what I say here. I know. Uh, it, it's, Let's make some uh, predictions, though. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, thoughts. Yeah. What would See, you like I, to have happen? I'm a big sci-fi guy, and uh, you Me know, too. <laughs> I'm hard to beat. I've watched everything from the Star Trek, Stargate, Battlestar Galactica to anything, anything sci-fi. I mean, I I could quote things from you. I'm Arthur C. Clarke and what's his name, uh, Isaac Asimov. Obviously, anything Gene Roddenberry is awesome, but. Well, you know, um, sci-fi books and sci-fi has been the precursor to a lot of our major developments in yes. space and engineering and math and science. So I'm with you there. Okay, great. So let's do some sci-fi predictions. Definitely big influence, big influence. So there's a, a series called Killjoy that, are you familiar with that series? <laughs> yes. Yes. Anyway, so so it's it's a one I, I enjoyed for a while. I didn't actually finish it, but but there there was a um, a scene in there which I can't remember the episode or, or the season, but it was there were jobs being posted what seemed to be on on a digital billboard, and you could just quickly go in and, and accept the job. No resumes being sent or anything. It's just kind of like it, it knows who you are and. And as soon as the job comes up, in fact, you probably weren't seeing the job unless, you know, it had already looked at your resume. So it was based on that. So you're seeing jobs that, you know, if you apply to them, you're probably going to get it. And for me, that's a future that excites me. The idea, I think we're, we're headed towards a world in which we're becoming a lot less generalized. I should say it that way, but we're having to be more mentally flexible. The idea that we can do multiple things, I think, is going to increase. I mean, of course, they're going to be things that are hyper-specific and require high levels of specialization and a lot of time. Those are still going to be there, like, you know, being a doctor and specialized engineer. But I don't think that represents the majority of jobs. I think the majority of, of jobs, are, we're going to be a lot more flexible. So, I agree. Yeah. So in in light of that, imagine you've got this digital resume that reflects your capabilities. You can update it at any time by just doing a quick course, for example, you know, say, oh, you know, throw on this course and it, it increases your income or your earning possibilities by this. And it's like, oh, how long does it take? Three months. You go and you quickly do it. It becomes certified through the system. One crate. And after you're certified, all of a sudden, you go into the jobs and, oh, here's a job, three-month contract or six-month contract. You want to do it, hit tap. And, and you're only getting it because you already have the qualifications. Damn. On the HR side, they're not busy worrying whether you can do the job or not. They know you can because it's already there in the system. That is that is my futuristic. That is my, my long-term goal, which I know it's pie-in-the-sky type thinking perhaps, and maybe we'll never get there. But if, if one crate has this opportunity, if we get the funding for some of these bigger ideas, which that's what I'm going to be working on over the next uh, year or two, then that's what you can expect five to 10 years down the road, maybe sooner. Well, I love that. If 
you could make that phase whatever, but I really like phase two. I would love for universities to be held accountable for what mm. degrees they're recommending students go through and that be tied to the student loan companies, right? That we have a market out there for right. them, that we have bright young adults that come out creative and are actually able to do what they do best. I think that's mm -hmm. going to create a better world and better technology and better services and products. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And just to go back and agree with you on this flexibility, yeah. I call it a hybrid. Mm -hmm. I have noticed over the years just in hiring that the positions, if I do not have false data or fixed ideas about the positions that we hire, mm -hmm. I have been able to see people with, I call them hybrids. They have a hybrid experience. They have a flexible experience, work experience that allows them to do the best yeah. that they possibly can in certain positions, right? Mm -hmm. I love this contrarian theory. Let's go against the status quo <laughs> and let's create this killjoy future. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not the best name for for the thought, but no, yes. it's really not, is it? I mean, when I was thinking when you were talking about, it, I was like, yeah, that doesn't that, that that's right. <laughs> how could that be a killjoy? Right. You, what were you like? You know, you've always been an inventor. You love inventing. What were you like as a little boy? Like, what were you like growing up? Did you cre create these crazy inventions? Almost anybody that you, you would meet from my childhood would tell you exactly that. I was the kid in school that people would bring pieces of paper to to make their paper planes because I could I could fold the paper better than everybody else. Yeah, I could cut straighter lines. I was that was me. I was the inventor in school and that never changed. I I I used to make in fact I remember one time you know we had to do these um I guess it was arts and crafts is what it was called. And I, I would have been in grade two or grade three at the time. And we had to make boats, just these, and we were actually going to go and put, run them in the river. Our school was right, right near a brook. And, and so, and everybody, you know, some people had little bottles that they would use and that would be it. You know, some people got like these, those styrofoam, like what you'd get chicken in or something like that you know the, the what do you call those styrofoam trays, uh, trays. yeah i guess yeah exactly my thing was a huge catamaran i mean it was huge i i had like multiple bottles tied together <laughs> pulled, and it didn't stop there i actually put an electric motor on it and this was in this was in grade two or grade three so i had like electric motor on it with so yeah definitely I would say several orders of difference between my colleagues when it when it came to the arts and crafts side of things. Uh, Whatever uh, happened to that catamaran? Oh, um, I have no idea. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been years. I have no idea. But yeah, that's that's who I was growing up. Bit of a storyteller. I, there's no doubt about. And when I say storyteller, not necessarily in the best of light, because I I would make up stories and and then make them seem real. Like it's essentially lying to my friends about these elaborate things that I had at home and all the rest of it. Very imaginative mind. But I do have one memory that I know as something I know childhood memories can be perhaps false. It could be a false memory. I could be remembering it differently. But for some reason, as an adult, I always remember. Because I, I come from Zambia, a very re remote, poor area of uh, 
I should say Zambezi, a very remote poor area of Zambia and very rural. At the time, I grew up in a place where there was one car in the entire town, one car, Wow. you know, and I remember looking up, seeing, hearing a plane fly overhead way up. It must have been like a, a jet because it was, it was real high up. And just thinking to myself, just with this almost like a gut-wrenching feeling that I would never be up there. Like, that was just something that you just couldn't even imagine what kind of people were up there. It was just so foreign from me. And nobody that I knew at the time had ever flown. No one. It was just such a foreign idea. I knew about planes. I knew people were in them. But, I mean, we didn't even have a car, let alone the thought of flying in a plane. So... That memory just stuck with me, and I, I feel like it stuck with me. Just thinking, it, it spurred me on, and thinking one day, I'm going to try to figure out how to to make that happen. And of course, <laughs> many and years later, you. that that has happened many times over. But but yeah, that, you remember that, that the first give time you a little picture of my plane? Do I remember? Yeah, I do. You do? Oh, ab- absolutely. Believe it or not, it was actually for school. <laughs> And that's also a bit of a complicated and long, long story there it might come from. There's a lot of fortunate circumstances that have transpired in my life that I'm very grateful for and that gave me opportunities that I know a lot of people where I was from certainly never had access to. So I have to make sure to highlight that it's not like, oh, it's just me or some some unique person, even my creative spirit. I would say I would have to give a lot of credit to my grandfather, who was a missionary in in Zambia. So that's a complicated story. He was actually British. And he, being a missionary in the middle of nowhere, and by the way, he's the person that had that car, (laughs) (laughs) you know, had to do almost everything on his own, everything from wiring his house to fixing the car to everything. And he had a tremendous workshop for considering the circumstances. And so I spent a lot of time with him from the moment I could walk in that workshop. So there is no doubt that the wiring in my brain has this this big part of working with him that has influenced that and changed my perception of reality and so on. The only other thing... Thank you. That is beautiful. I can really see how your experiences have led you to this wanting to create and invent something that creates opportunities, better opportunities for others. I can totally see that. That's funny. I had actually not even thought about that. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Leave it to me. (laughs) Do you have any crazy passions out of sight of OneCrate or anything that you're inventing like as a hobby? Yes, as a matter of fact, I'm working on bringing something to the market, uh, hopefully by Christmas. I call it the Calf Buster. It's a device for exercising your calves. And there's actually a website for it called uh, thecalfbuster.com. Yeah, I've, I've built a prototype and hopefully, like I said, if, if it all goes to plan, by Christmas time, people will be able to buy it. That's awesome. Now, why oh. calves? Why calves? Well, <laughs> as usual, solving solving problems. I'm a six foot two, skinny, lean guy, and calves are one of the most difficult muscles on the human body to develop. So it came from my desire to develop better looking, sexier looking calves. <laughs> well, there you go. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. that, that's where I that love came that. From. Yeah. 
But aside from that, you know, I, you know, I play the piano as well, so I enjoy doing that. I compose music, nothing Broadway Street worthy, but definitely enjoyable, family enjoyable. That's that nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Right. Do you play classical? No, no, actually. I, I, so I learned primarily, I guess you'd call it improvisation. I, I play by ear. So yeah, I mean, there, there's not much else to say. There's, yeah. Uh, you know, I was trained classically and I can read sheet music. I cannot play by ear. Interesting. interesting? I know. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. 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 Now I've, I've come across a lot of that. people like that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. You can describe, you know, and I can look at the notes on a piano. I mean, I, I learned all the, the meanings of everything, but I can't read it fast enough to call. Like I can, I'll play a lot worse if I was trying to read music. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. David, how do people get a hold of you? How do they find one crate? How do they connect? I would say LinkedIn is the, the best way to find me. Just uh, slash David Kamwana on LinkedIn. I have a Twitter, but I'm not particularly active on there. You know, I'm not significant or important enough. To, I, that, that Twitter is one of those that I'm still figuring out. So I haven't used it long enough. But yeah, that, that would be, I, I think LinkedIn would be the easiest way. Yeah. Okay, great. And URL for the website is onecrate.com. Is that right? That's right. Onecrate.com. Yeah. Awesome. Um, everything. If there were any questions, anybody was interested in finding out, they can. There's ways to contact us uh, through one crate. Yep. Awesome, David. Thank you so much. I have never heard something like this before. I'm so glad you're doing it. I can't wait for phase one, phase two, and who knows what's next. Thank you. I appreciate it, Carla. Thank you very much. You bet. That's a wrap, everyone. If you learned something today, go tell someone about this podcast. And tell people to go disrupt their markets with a tidbit from the show. Thanks for listening to Disruption Interruption, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Because we live in a highly litigious society, with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal, healthcare, or financial advice, or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you have heard here. Contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal situation or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links do not create an agency-client relationship between Joto PR and the user.